1: Hello and welcome to the Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game. With me, Kevin Day, and Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire. Uh, Kieran, condolences. We're recording this on Wednesday morning. I, I hope you've got over it by now. I, I took no pleasure in that uh, result on. Sunday, because even I couldn't enjoy Man United beating anyone, it turns out, even you. But I hope you had a lovely day, did you?
0: We we did, we did. And given the nature of football, we're recording this on Wednesday morning, we're playing Forest tonight, and that, 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 you know, when you've got two matches in a week, it's the best cure for what happened at the weekend. Yeah,
1: try not to muck it up against Forest, if you wouldn't mind. Uh,
0: it, it, it's
1: not been a brilliant week for our football teams, Kieran, but for us, we, we're winners
0: at last. Yes, um, I went with the with the Baroness to a place called Proud Embankment um, on Monday night, and I, and I thought I was up for. <laughs> I, this, this is I'm, I'm not very organised, yeah. I, I thought somebody had nominated me for Accounting Personality of the Year, <laughs> which which is an oxymoron. I think we can both agree. Um, but it turns out we were, in fact, uh, you know. So, so apologies that I didn't to uh, you. Turns out that we were up for uh, podcast of the year, uh, and we won. So we are the uh, the, the best uh, finance podcast uh, as as voted by a, a panel, and uh, it's yeah, it, it's one step closer to a BAFTA, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah. What, what's what's the name of the – Was it uh, an Accountancy Magazine? Was it PQ? That, was that- that's right PQ? Yeah, so uh, thank you. I think it was Adam, uh, my friend Adam, who who nominated us, and uh, Graham who who organised. Um, the one thing you don't expect in sort of an accounting awards evening is we had a fire eater and an Elvis impersonator, um, which was just a very surreal experience all round. And it, and it was very burlesque as well. There was a couple of burlesque um, uh, scenes, oh. uh, which, was, which was wonderful.
1: Oh, was this before or after you got back to the hotel? <laughs> <laughs> well, I imagine the, the fire eater will go down as expenses. I imagine, wouldn't it, Kieran? I, I, I would guess. Where's yes. proud? In, where's proud embankment? It's, uh,
0: it, it's 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 next to the river um, on on the bridge uh, at Embankment Bridge. It was it's sort of a sort of a, a sort of a, a nightclub. Uh, it, I think it specialises in you know, in drag acts and ah, uh, yeah. big LGBT. And it was fantastic.
1: Yeah, Kieran. Uh, uh, we all know my geography is not of the best. That even I would have put an embankment next to the river. <laughs> I, I would have made that to uh, I, I, PQ magazine. The, the first I heard of it was I got a, a very exciting tweet from someone I won't name to say that we won podcast of the year from GQ magazine. So I thought well, that's <laughs> that's a big step forward, isn't it? Anyway, Kieran, we know um, you are very busy today. Um, So we need to keep the pod tight. Unfortunately, there's a shed load of news going on. (laughs) There's a real shed load of news for a change. For a change, yeah. And the 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 first one I know will be very good news to quite a lot of our listeners, particularly one Marcia, I believe, um, who was very agitated by this story. But the FA have backed down on one of their recent announcements.
0: Yes, I I think this is excellent. Um, The FA made a huge error in my view in uh, proposals to change the contracts for players in the National League um, to withdraw some of the benefits and and the protection that those young, young men have as far as their contracts were concerned. The FA were proposing to change the rules such that if you were injured, you would only get full pay for 12 weeks and then you'd be on sick pay of £99 a week. But even worse than that was that um, clubs would have been allowed to cancel contracts if a player was out for three months with an injury on the view of a club-instructed medic, i.e. not an independent doctor, but a friend of a friend of a friend of the chairman. Mm. And and for, for me, that is really concerning the nature of football, it's a contact sport. And therefore, if you want people to play the match at its fullest extent, then there are going to be contact-based injuries. There's going to be soft muscle injuries as well. And uh, the FA's proposals, and the FA and and the National League said at the time, well, you know, these are the proposed contracts. Um, You know, the players don't have to sign them. But of course, what the clubs would say, well, if you don't sign it, we'll go and recruit somebody else. Um, the PFA, now the PFA don't represent players in the National League, but of course, there are many, many clubs who were formerly members of the EFL. So therefore, those clubs, those players will have some form of representation. They, they were advised about this by the, uh, by, by the Football Association. Um, the PFA's immediate response was, we think this is a terrible idea. The FA, uh, not for the first time in its history, decided to put on its tin ear, completely ignore the concerns and and the reservations and go ahead. Um, And and therefore, it was left to the players. And and I think there there is a common misconception, in my view, that football players aren't uh, organised. They are looked down upon uh, by, by many people in society, but... The the captains of the teams in the national in national league they got together uh, in order to protect their teammates and I think special mention has to go to John Staunton of Yeovil Town which is a club which is itself going through some pretty unpleasant times at present yeah. and uh, jo- Josh Staunton uh, you know he he went to meetings and the the football association has backed down with these proposals so so that's got to be welcome um it it's a precarious career uh we already know that, that contracts in the national league uh, I think they only last for ten months so they're not, you know, unless, yes you will have some players on on long term contracts but in in the EFL contracts tend to expire at the 30th of June in, in the national League most contracts expire on the 30th of April if you're on a one- year deal or' it's actually a ten month deal so it's it's not a career with a lot of certainty and the proposals work. In, in my view, an absolute disgrace. Yes, clubs are losing money in the national league, but you don't you don't attack the reason why people are going to, to the matches in the first place, which yeah. is is to watch young elite athletes in in competition.
1: Yeah, several Yeovil fans Kieran, and have actually been in touch with us to ask us to uh, discuss what's going on there. So mm. we will be doing that next week. Um, I was going to say, fear not, Oval fans, but I think that might be a platitude. Uh, two stories about season tickets in the Premier League, Kieran, starting at Aston Villa.
0: Yes. Uh, you know, first of all, Aston Villa are playing magnificent football. So, uh, Yeah, a good day to drop bad news. You know, you know, the cynic in me uh, thinks. Um, Villa increased uh, season ticket prices by around about 10% for this season. And also, they removed some of the categories. Um, so, I, I don't think you can get a student ticket um, anymore, uh, for example. Um, so, they've increased it by 10% for 22, 23. And now they're increasing prices by a further 15% for 23, 24. Um, at the same time, they're introducing some safe standing, 2,500 tickets in the halt end. And they're introducing different categories of. Uh, product yeah, including yeah, for some fans better wi-fi but this is a particular bugbear of mine yeah you know, we we should all have we, we, all, we all pay for wi-fi we all pay for our internet connections so so why clubs so some clubs persist with thinking we're still in you know 1997 and dial-up is beyond me i think on one of the offerings you, you even get a club tie uh, and padded seats um, but again, the, these these type of things, should, you know, padded seats should be a minimum, surely, especially when you, when you reach our age. Um, so it, it it's not great for fans. But here, here we then enter things from, from the business point of view. Aston Villa have a waiting list of 33,000 fans. Wow. Now, they know that if some fans say either I can't afford it or I don't think there's this increase in prices is fair – I say, well, OK, thanks very much for all your support to date. Um, We've got 33,000 people and some of them will quite happily pay the amount. Um, So, yeah, it it comes down to sort of economics 101 and and supply and demand. The club will also point out that should it qualify for Europe, and I think it's it's more of a case of which European competition that they're going to be in next season rather than whether they're going to be in it or not, um, they will come under the auspices of UEFA's new financial and sustainability rules, which links the amount of money you can spend on wages to the amount of money coming in. So Villa would say, "We, we need to get more money coming into the club to allow us to pay the wages to continue with the progress." If if you take a look at Villa, um, and, and and I went into a bit of spreadsheet heaven when because they the new owners have put. Huge amount of money. They, they put over half a billion pounds into the club in five years, which is which is a, you know, a a huge commitment. And also they've done that in the form of shares rather than loans. So they can't get that money back unless they sell Villa. And um, Aston Villa have the third highest losses in the history of the Premier League. And only Chelsea and Manchester City, who have been funded, as we know, by Abramovich and Sheikh Mansour, have had higher losses um, over you know the the course of the premier league since 1992 and fans you know the, the fans of both chelsea and manchester city will be able to say we, we've had a return on the pitch for our losses um, you know, villa, villa are you know, a fantastic club and in a fantastic city but they they've not been you know they've not been extending the trophy cabinet um uh, you know for that for that half a billion pounds so the club is trying to generate more money from fans. Some of the fans will say, well, hold on, you know, the owners are billionaires. They are immune from the the cost of living increases that we are having to deal with at present. So that seems harsh. Um, but, but that's where we are. Uh, yeah, and Bill will say, well, yeah, we're not the most expensive uh, club in, in the Premier League, um, unlike the one I think we're about to discuss in a minute.
1: Well, indeed, uh, less than a minute, Kieran, because we know you've got to be somewhere else. Um, uh, <laughs> Villa fans can at least console themselves at none of their season tickets are costing £3,000. And uh, Shahid Khan, owner of Fulham, it's getting slightly touchy about it, Kieran.
0: Touchy. Yes, yeah. I mean, uh, £3,000 for non-hospitality tickets. Yeah. So that works out as £157 a match. To watch wow. Fulham yeah. now. Uh, apparently, you know these are these are nice seats in they're, they're about in line with with the penalty box. But my my seats in line with the penalty box, sort of yeah, sort of on the side. And I am paying twenty eight pounds a match, um, so it, it it does seem very high. Again, from the, from the from the from the perspective of the club, it will say there's been a huge investment in the new stand. We're trying to find alternative ways of generating money. So, I think they've got this swimming pool on the top of the stand or something bizarre, and a hotel. So, there has been a lot of money spent on infrastructure. Um, But again, it's not just these tickets which have gone up in price. I think overall, there's been an 18% price rise as far as Fulham is concerned. The supporters' trust, and we know some people uh, who who are Fulham fans and on, on the supporters' trust uh they have expressed their reservations but you, you get the well if we want to invest in the in the playing staff and if we want to com- comply with financial fair play well we're going to do that and and my my concern is and, and I'm not trying to go the full wolfie Smith uh, with regards to this is that it's it's a further indication of the gentrification of the game um and you know my view is is you know and we You've always said to me this about, you know, Portman's arms, and it's the same with the with the lads. I go to matches with. We come from all backgrounds, so we know postmen and barristers and doctors and road sweepers and, and, and everybody. Um, but there's a danger that because of the popularity of the Premier League, that we are seeing more and more people being priced out of football.
1: Wolfie Smith was a great character, wasn't he?
0: Was it a tooting popular front? That's right. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: What a, that was a great sitcom. Sadly underrated. Uh 157 pound a game, Kieran. I'd want more than a view of the penalty area. I'd want <laughs> at least dinner with Jordan Ayu after every game and possibly a happy ending. This is that's ludicrous amount of money. Preston Kieran are a team, are a club that we we find ourselves talking about more and more often but not in a, not in a negative way but it's it's just it, Quite a few little stories just seem to come out of Preston that look like they're good stories, but I'm never entirely sure that they are. And there's another one this week.
0: Yes, it's it's yet another share issue uh, in, in respect of Preston. Now, again, I've, I've always said that, that share issues are, in my opinion, good news because the, the nature of a share is it's money which is going into the club um, which never has to be repaid. So this is a further almost a half a million pounds. Um, you know, we we know that uh, the, the original owner, uh, you know, sadly passed away, but his family are showing continued commitment. You know, Ten million pounds uh, have been put in this year. Preston are, I think, just a couple of points off the playoffs. So yeah, the the championship is is very very congested in terms mm. of a couple of those remaining places. So you can see the reason why the money is going in. Um, and i've I've said that in my view, the likes of Preston Millwall, and Luton, all of whom are having really good seasons are some of the best run clubs financially uh, in the championship, but then I went and checked my numbers, Preston are losing four hundred grand a week a week uh, <coughs> a week and, and, and <coughs> i'm saying yeah that's that's not that's actually not too bad yeah, by, yeah. by by championship standards and i'm I'm just concerned that I'm becoming inoculated to the, the the huge sums which it which it costs. I think we all are. We we just accept it as de facto that getting out of the championships an expensive business, and therefore somebody somewhere is going to be in a position to write out those checks. But that that's not always the case. And, and certainly, I, I was. I got a phone call from uh, quite a senior person in in football journalism. Uh, advising me about another club which which we won't mention where the the owner's business is in dire straits and mm-hmm. the owner's business was effectively funding the club um, and, and you know that that's always a cause for concern that you if you become reliant on one person um, what happens if that one person's circumstances change as, as we saw at Berry, or they lose interest, as we saw at Derby. Mm. Um, you know, things can turn very nasty very quickly.
1: Yeah, I watched the Luton Middlesbrough game the other night, which was quite tricky because the camera spent more time looking at Bob Mortimer in the away end than the actual game. Bless him, and I actually got worried at one stage because he got swamped when Borough scored. But they they kept reminding us, uh, as Sky awoke to do, because it um, counters the narrative that they've helped in football that Luton, uh, I think they're in the bottom four of money spent in the championship, yeah. and yet they're doing so well. So it, 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 it can be done, can't it?
0: Yes, yeah. And we, we've had Gary Sweet, who's one of the yeah. the owners of, of Luton Town on the show, um, and I think when you've got a strategy and you don't knee-jerk react to, to events, um, you can build a club over a period of time, and, and I think it's it's good to see that 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 does work. Uh, you know that they lost Nathan Jones to Southampton just before Christmas, and I believe that they're estimated to get somewhere in the region of three million pounds compensation uh, in respect of that, which which will help the club regardless of whether they go up or not. But uh, yeah, they're doing um, spectacularly well, and, and you know, good luck to them for the rest of the season.
1: It, it strikes me, Kieran, it, it takes quite a lot to be banned by the FA but someone has been this week
0: yes this is AD Ward who is a football agent um, and he runs a company called Colossal Sports Management and both of them have been given a 20 month ban uh, in terms of work within football Um, you know Colossal Sports Management is a successful club I went on to company's house as as is my want had a look at their accounts yeah they've got eight million pounds in the bank they they just lent one of the directors a further seven million on top of that eight million so yeah they're clearly doing very well um and and for the sake of transparency um about 18 months ago i I was interviewed as as part of a, a panorama panorama pro panorama panorama uh, Panorama is um, something completely I'd, I'd, watch,
1: I'd watch Panorama.
0: <laughs> yes. That would be a, an interesting
1: topical look at this week's perfumes. would be great.
0: <laughs> I think it's up there with monkey tennis, isn't it? <laughs> we we'll, we'll, we'll have, we'll have to pitch it to a producer. Um, and, and this was a Panorama documentary, and it was called Football's Broken Dreams. And it's about academy players, and it's about young people in football. Um, and uh, the, the accusation and the charges which have been upheld against A.D. Ward and, and uh, Colossal Sports Management is that they've been approaching under-16s. Right. Um, now, yeah, that's the FA's position. Um, it's, it's, you're not allowed to do it until uh, the 1st of January, in which the, the, the young person turns 16. Um, and, and I don't know the exact circumstances, but... You know, we do know some other agents, and we do hear the horror story. Well, you know, I think they're horror stories because you're you're dealing with um, young people who are still in education. Children, uh, children, yeah. Kieran. Let's yeah. call children. them what they are: yeah. the children. Called, yeah, call them children. And all of a sudden, you know, on their thirteenth birthday, they get a pair of boots or they get a PlayStation, and mum and dad get taken out for dinner and on holiday, and um, with with the aim of of trying to entice them into a relationship because some agents, and I'm not making any accusations with regards to A.D. Ward here, but some agents just see ch- these children as potential future meal tickets. Oh, um, sure. and, and, it, and it is, a cause of concern. And, you know, in I, I don't know many other industries in which there's a 99% failure rate um, as, as exists in football. In fact, it's more than 99%. More than that, yeah. Um, so... There has to be protection. It's very difficult to enforce from the perspective of the, the FA. And you know, whilst I was critical of them earlier um, with regards to um, the, the contracts in the National League, this, this is this is more nuanced in the sense that who's going to dip them in? You know, who, who's going to dip in the, the rogue agents? Because if the players, you know, if the child's parents get some form of benefit, they're not going to. Uh, yeah, they're not going to turn off the taps. The, the child doesn't want to because he knows that the parents might lose out. And actually, quite likes getting a, a new pair of boots at Christmas and on birthdays and, and so on and the benefits that that brings. And um, the, the agents aren't going to report themselves. So uh, it, it's, I think it's only when things start to go wrong. But it is far too common as yeah. far as this industry is concerned. Um, and I, I know that there are uh, well, there is that we've had the introduction of FIFA uh, with agents' exams, and the agent and people have been these these exams are are tough. Um, that won't necessarily stop this behaviour uh, mm. because you can pass the exam and be a wrong, as well as not pass the exam and be a wrong. In my mm. view, uh, it, it seems
1: like Kieran, we may be in a position soon to give Birmingham City fans, for the first time in a long time, some positive
0: news. Yes, we've been talking too often about Birmingham uh, with regards to the ownership that they presently have, which is, well, we think is based in Hong Kong, but it might not be because uh, it appears to be further offshore. And and again, fair play to the EFL. They are trying to get through the fog uh, which often exist with offshore ownership. Um, we've got a, a, an American hedge fund manager, Tom Wagner. Um, he's buying a stake. Now, is that going to be a controlling stake? We know that 46% of the shares are up for offer. Um, you know, could he therefore acquire some other shares from other people? What, what Birmingham City need is A, transparency and, and B, um, being boring. Um, In terms of being being boring is good, you know. Think of all the clubs that we never talk about; they they just get on with their their existence, and and the fans uh, don't have to uh, deal with some of the crises. Um, There's been too many problems in respect to Birmingham, involving points deductions, part of the grounds being closed down, um, and, and so on. And somebody who who comes in and remember, new a new owner is a new owner is not necessarily a better owner, as, as Berry found out when, when they moved from Stuart Day to um, Steve Dale and, and when you know we, we've seen with some other clubs. I think uh, if, if you talk to Charlton fans, uh, yeah. they've had they've had a series of owners with whom uh, it, it's fair to say there has been a, a, more than a smattering of dissatisfaction. So, you know, fingers crossed for Birmingham because they, again, you know, I like Birmingham as a city and I like Birmingham as an away trip. Uh, and... Nobody deserves to to have gone through what they've gone through in the past few years.
1: Yeah, to be fair to the potential new owners of Birmingham, they may not be better, Kieran, but it's hard to see how they could be worse. Mm, Yes,
0: it's a low bar.
1: Yeah. Uh, There's been a lot of speculation recently, Kieran, about which uh, superstars of football Newcastle United might be buying in the summer. But it turns out they might be buying something slightly different
0: first you're absolutely right and I'm not going to go uh, the full Steve McLaren here um, <laughs> they're, they're, they're planning to buy well no they are in talks to buy a controlling interest in a Belgian club uh, from Ostend uh, for around about 10 million pounds um, the club currently has US owners who have uh, other clubs as part of their portfolio and, and I think this is uh, you know a, a a recurring theme of multi club ownership, and as you know, I'm pretty agnostic uh, in terms of MCOs. Provided the integrity of the game is is preserved, And I, I don't have a huge issue. My my big concern is if, if we're still doing this show in ten years' time, you know, and there's only four people in the world that own football clubs, then it's then it's gone too far. Um, so N- Newcastle are, are looking to do this. They've they've seen the benefits of other clubs. I think they uh, they do appear to have a a strategy as well as short-term money uh, Newcastle and that's why they they've progressed so well um, since the new owners have, have come into St James's Park um, so yeah the, the benefits as we've said before you get uh, consistency in terms of training diet culture uh, between the two clubs you can put young players out on loan if you see other good players in Europe and you can't bring them to Newcastle because of you know, the the post-Brexit adjustments with regards to recruiting 16 and 17-year-olds and governing body endorsements and so on, you can effectively park them um, at at another club with a view to to building up their portfolio of points and so on. So I think this is uh, the first step. I I can certainly see the benefits from, you know, the Newcastle owners and PIF's perspective of of building up a a broader base because everybody looks at Manchester City and, and sees... Yeah, you know, the, the success that, uh, that that club is having, of which part of the benefit is is having this, this set of tentacles around the world developing talent.
1: Yeah, you, you probably didn't see it, Kieran. You were probably enjoying your first soya latte at Wembley, but the first 25 minutes of the Newcastle Spurs game, Newcastle were incredible. And I, I suspect, Kieran, we will still be doing this pod in 10 years' time. Only Matron will be asking us to keep the noise down. <laughs> a little bit, and remind us that we're supposed to be in bed by 10 o'clock and if we could stop playing Sex Pistols songs on the piano, that'd be great as well. And, uh, Rangers have got a battle off the pitch coming up, Kieran.
0: Yes, or rather, Rangers have got another battle off ah, the pitch. Right. Uh, you know, R- Rangers are in a dispute with Mike Ashley. Um, there's effectively an ongoing boardroom squabble because you know, the former Chairman Dave King is constantly throwing darts at the, at the current board. Um, and uh, elite sportswear who were, were effectively Hummel's uh, distribution people who went into administration a few months ago. I remember there was all this kerfuffle because there were clubs like Millwall and Coventry and, yeah. and, and others who weren't able to sell kit because they, they didn't have the legal ownership at the time. Um, well... One of the things that uh, elite sports were weren't very happy about was that Rangers had switched their uh, kit manufacturing deal to the the new kids on the block in the form of Castore, um, and they felt that Rangers hadn't necessarily um, given them due due process. I, th- I think uh, Hummel were entitled to match what was offered, and they claimed that it wasn't. Um, so the administrators are now saying, well, we've spoken to um, our legal advisors, and uh, we think there is a case for going forwards. Um, so you know, as, as somebody that has worked in insolvency, you, you tend to be quite cautious because you, you don't want to spend money um, on legal claims that are spurious because you, you are there to protect the interests of share of, of, of creditors. Um, and this is a £9.5 million case. So, you know, Rangers, I think you've got to be honest that they're behind Celtic on the pitch. Um, and they've still got, you know, a fair amount of catching up to do on the pitch because, sorry, off the pitch in terms of sort of the legacy issues and, and the boardroom issues. And, and they, they, there, are, there are too many disputes. And it's, you know, Celtic are able to sort of serenely just go on and focus on football um and, and if you've got all of these distractions it's never good now you know, the chances are this will be settled out of court you know either either you know a a, a an amount will be agreed or some form of joint uh, pronouncement will be made but uh you know unless uh, unless rangers have got a watertight case this this could mean more money being paid out for non-footballing issues at a time when the club Um, is playing catch-up still um, with Celtic um, and uh, you know as we know Scotland is is a country where where being second is being nowhere as those two clubs are concerned
1: yes indeed Um, speaking of Scotland we've got Neil Doncaster coming on Mm. again soon so if you have any questions for him about Scottish football send them to the usual address which we'll give at the end
0: or you're an aspiring musician, manager, or label owner who wants some inside knowledge on how Spotify's financial model really works, or what the future holds for independent live music venues, this is a show for you. Subscribe to The Price of Music in your podcast app now. See you soon.
1: Just to elaborate on a point you made there, Kieran, it it seems to me that it it is slightly tricky or unusual for an administrator to proceed with uh, legal action because, you know, they're meant to be sensible and you you run the risk, surely, of running up, as you say, huge legal bills in a case that they may lose, which which sort of goes against what they should be doing as administrators, doesn't it? it?
0: It does, but also as administrators, you have an obligation to try to get as much money as possible um, on behalf of the well of behalf of all of the creditors now if you go to a lawyer um and, and you know not all lawyers are going to give you the Saul Goodman approach of yeah this you know, every every case is is a guaranteed win with me buddy um the the lawyers will assess the situation and they will say well in in our professional opinion you've got an X percent chance, or these are you know the, the key elements which we think is going to help you to be successful with regards to a prosecution, and therefore we would either you know and what you're doing you're asking for effectively for some sort of legal counsel. We would strongly recommend I think on the balance of probabilities you have probably got a chance, or it, it's a punt. Now, if they say it's a punt, the chances are, you know, if I, if I was the administrators, I would say, okay, thanks for the advice. Let's let's move on, and we're going to do something else. So they must feel that they've got a, a fairly strong case, or they feel that they might be able to come to a to a settlement with Rangers um, that uh, that will be less than nine point five million. But uh, both clubs, both parties, would be able to walk away with um, some some money. Um, two stories
1: here about two of the biggest clubs in mm. world football. The first one. It seems almost counterintuitive to say this, but PSG have posted record losses for last season. PSG posting record losses, Kieran.
0: Yeah, if if you've got two of the most saleable football assets in in the world, you've got Mbappe and, well, no, you've got three, you've got Neymar and you've got Messi. So, you know, from a commercial perspective, it must be utmost heaven. Um, And and I've noted the, the number of, PSG shirts that I've seen when I've been in Europe and even in the UK as well because yeah. people, want, people want to be associated with success um, they, they win uh, league 1 uh, every year um, uh, that, that's Mr Andrew uh, my French teacher, uh, he'll be impressed by that um, and they they that they qualify for the Champions League, although they never seemed to win it, but they lost €375 million, Euro, which is a staggering amount of money. Um, and I think it shows you, you can have all of the talent there, but that talent is costing you a fortune. And I think people are aware that uh, you know, Kylian Mbappe had the opportunity to go to Real Madrid. He negotiated, uh, by all accounts, a pretty decent pay rise from PSG, it became very political as to where his future was going to lie, and um, loyalty bonuses and all these types of things. Um, and you know, the club is yes, it's selling out, but French TV rights are not high. And part of the reason why the value of French TV rights are not very high is that French football is not competitive. You yeah. know who's going to win it each season. And uh, you know, for for all of the faults about distribution of money in this country. Um, you know, nobody would have had Arsenal down to to win the Premier League at the start of the season. They, of course, they they still might fail to do so, but no, certainly nobody would have had them to be you know, leading the the Premier League all the way through to the start of May. Mm.
1: Uh, I'm sure, Mr. Andrews, your French teacher, a man who probably devoted his entire life to education, will be delighted. To learn that one of the outcomes is that you make a passable attempt at pronouncing "Ligon" correctly yes. on an award-winning podcast, he'll <laughs> be very he'll be very pleased. Okay, we had a question, Kieran, on last week's questions pod, which basically said, uh, "How much more bonkers can it get at Barcelona
0: <laughs> financially?"
1: Uh, and and you said you didn't know, but nothing would surprise you, and it it's taken only three days for it to get even more but I mean I just this story Kieran involves the word Barcelona and 1.5 billion euros and you just go why well, how what so please explain what's going on and how they're managing to do it
0: if Barcelona is the most hold my beer football club on, <laughs> on, on the planet <laughs> at the present in terms of what it gets um, so what they've done is uh, they've said, "Yeah, we have been spending money like it's going out of fashion. We've been having all of these economic levers, which you know, glorify your loans, as we've said, and now they've said, oh, um, 'Oh, we're going to have less money coming in in future years because we've effectively get, we, we've committed to it.' So now they're going to increase the capacity of Camp Nou um, from ninety nine to one hundred and five thousand fans." And they're taking out a 1.5 billion euro loan um, and, and then it starts to get a little bit sort of bizarre because it says oh yeah we've uh, we, we've got 20 banks and, and this is this is quite common that you, you will get a consortium of lenders so yeah, we we've we've got 20 blue chip banks who and other uh, funders who are going to give us the money and, and that makes sense from the bank's point of view because it means that you're not overexposed to, uh, or, or to Barcelona or PSG or the individual borrower so th- this always makes a lot of sense and then uh, Barcelona says uh, but we're not going to tell you who they are <laughs> I'm going this, this, is, this is more mysterious than mysterious girl from Peter Andre surely because yeah, it, it just makes no no sense whatsoever and say so, yeah we're going to repay it somewhere between 5 and 24 years well, that, that's quite a broad brush in terms of, you know, in, in 24 years' time, that's you know, 2047. That's, that's, that's a long way away. Five years, for 1.5 billion pounds, you're going to find yourself 300 million euros a year. So it, it all does seem um, part of the soap opera which Barcelona have become. And, and I think that's that's sad in, in many ways. Because uh, you know, when Barcelona started to be successful, and you know all of the connection at the time with you know what was happening in respect of you know Catalonia and uh, sort of the sort of the identity of the area that the club championed, and you know, we remember when Barcelona was the only club that was refusing to take front of shirt advertising, yeah. and then, then it said, right, we will do it for Unicef. Everybody because okay, hey, you got to like Barcelona, have not you? You can't not like them. Uh, as well as you know, some of the players they've had there they've been absolutely magnificent as well. And and, and now they've just become a bit of a, a bit of a clown show, which is which is sad as much as anything else.
1: Yeah, maybe it's not that they're refusing to name these banks. Maybe it's the banks are saying, Look, we'll give you the money, but don't tell anybody our <laughs> <Yes>. name <laughs> in case the directors turn up and go, You've done what? You've you've what? Because uh, it's, it's just I, I I actually laughed out loud when I saw this story, Kieran, as it's coming so soon as it did off the back of that question, which literally said, how much more can they get away with? Um, Milan, Kieran, AC Milan are not quite up there with Barcelona and PSG in terms of, of profile, but again, they are one of the biggest clubs in, mm. in Europe, in European history, without any doubt at all. Um, but there's something not quite right there either.
0: Yes, um, Italian prosecutors. And we've said, you know, uh, I, I, I've, I had family that used to run a financial institution in Italy. And they said, I think it's better to say, business practices there were unusual. And it's it's very much a grace and favor country when it comes to getting deals done. Uh, but the Italian prosecutors um have certainly got, you know, cojones of steel. What what they've done is that uh, this is all to do with Elliott Management's sale of AC Milan to Redbird Capital. This is for, this is for just over a billion euro. Uh, so yes, it's a significant amount of money. Um, and there's been sort of rumblings and grumblings for the past few months. But now the prosecutors have been in touch with the Luxembourg authorities, and uh, I'll say no more that they've they've the Luxembourg authorities, and yeah, Luxembourg, not a country noted for uh, being particularly keen on on peeping behind the curtain. Uh, there's been seizures and searches of documents I, 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 as to exactly what's going on with regards to this deal. Um, you know, it has gone through. There, there's no there's no evidence that Redbird shouldn't be the owners and, and Redbird themselves are sort of indirectly connected with FSG and Liverpool. So, yeah, you know, there are, there are potential Premier League sort of, you know, arms length uh, concerns here. Uh, but you would think that, you know, Elliott Management and Redbird are, are both organisations which, like to project themselves as, as being sort of fairly blue chip um, and, and the last thing you want is is this type of, sort of uh, activity taking place in the background so it's one which goes into my pending tray of uh, watch and wait um and unfortunately there's there's far too many issues in my pending tray uh, for comfort these days
1: have, have you actually got um, an in-out pending tray like uh, a 70 sitcom
0: <laughs> well I, it- I have I have on my I have uh on my iPad, yes. <laughs> of course you have. Um, while we're in
1: Italy, Kieran, I'd like to thank the many, many listeners who got in touch to tell me when I asked what the Italian for shenanigans was. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, turns out there is an Italian word for shenanigans, or two words, atavista disonesta. Uh, apologies for pronunciation. <laughs> I, I didn't have a Mr. Andrews in my life teaching me Italian but I just again it just made me laugh so much within minutes of that pod being broadcast hundreds of people had told me what the Italian fish shenanigans was which is <laughs> one of the many reasons I love doing this show um while we're talking uh, European football Kieran our penultimate story uh is is UEFA essentially and and non-big-time European clubs
0: Yes, a new body has been created to represent those football clubs who are not part of the ECA, the European Club Association. Now, presently, 5% of UEFA's annual revenues go to 650 clubs who are in the top divisions of UEFA's uh, membership, so yes, 55 countries, um, who do not qualify for Champions League, Europa League, Conference. Um, and they they currently get what is referred to as solidarity payments in exactly the same way that um, the Premier League gives solidarity payments to club in the EFL. And, uh, yeah, uh, Steve Parrish of uh, Crystal Palace, he's, he's been... Quite high profile in this new organisation, mm. and he's saying, um, you know, with the expansion of the Champions League, the gap between the what he says the elite clubs and and the aspirational clubs, yeah, you know, the clubs that want to uh, compete um, for those European places, which have become effectively pretty sealed. You know, when, when was the last time, with the exception of Leicester, when was the last time, apart from the usual suspects? Uh, getting into those places, although you know, Newcastle are clearly a disruptor with, with the wealth of their own. So so the suggestion is that that 5% of money should uh, be increased to 10%, um, which would allow um, a greater chance of competition because you know, we mentioned the issue as far as French football is concerned. It's, it's not a competitive league in terms of you know that uh, PSG are going to win uh, the, the the league competition, and and that that does sort of dilute the excitement to a certain extent. There are other countries in Europe that, if you qualify, especially if you get into the Champions League group stages on two, two or three occasions, the financial benefit that, that gives you is so significant that it puts you light years ahead of the rest of the, the league, and then it becomes a procession, and then it's a case of you know, you're fighting for second or third place each season because you know who the winners are going to be, that has a knock-on impact upon domestic TV rights, whereas all at the same time, UEFA's rights are increasing in value and, and there becomes a complete disconnect. So we, we await with interest. Um, I think there was an element of irony in that, you know, and I'm not having a go at Steve Parrish here, but he was saying, yeah, we, we shouldn't be giving too much more money to the EFL clubs in the form of solidarity payments, but we should be getting more solidarity payments ourselves from UEFA. Um, so I think we, you know, I've always said that as far as the distribution of money is concerned, we, we need a 92 club solution and just improving things in the championship and reducing com- competition in league one and league two, and also potentially the, the premier league with some of the proposals seems to be a bit skew to me. Uh, but of course you're never going to get 92 people to agree on, on any form of distribution.
1: Yeah, uh, Steve Parrish, um spoke at the inaugural meeting, didn't he, of this group, I think, mm. and earlier this week. So I texted him to ask him for a, a quote for the pod and he texted back to say, nice try, because uh, he, he obviously uh, knew that I was hoping he'd accidentally say, well, it doesn't really matter because we're getting Jose Mourinho as manager and we'll be in the Champions League season after next. Um, but he he did say I think there are forty clubs represented at mm. the inaugural meeting with many more interested. I, I think Steve, in the same way that he has become the sort of unofficial spokesman for the 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 other fourteen clubs in the Premier League, I, I think is positioning himself very carefully here as somebody who's um, on the side of the underdog, if you like. Mm. <clears throat> Although, as you say, that doesn't include the EFL. But also, I think I think it's actually a rather a canny move because when we are trying to attract talent from other European clubs, they will at least have heard of Steve Parrish in Crystal Palace because of his profile in this new group. Basically, our final story, Kieran, takes us back to uh, England uh, and takes us back in a funny sort of way to our very first story. Um, and also, I don't know if you've got a tray along with your in, out, and pending tray. I don't know if you've got one that says about time too, because mm. um, I think that this story would fit quite nicely in that tray.
0: Yes, um, this is all in respect of uh, dementia and footballers. There has been um, research uh, in academia, so there's, there's a guy in Scotland called Dr. Willie Stewart, there's also been a Swedish investigation, um, which indicates uh, the results of that came that if you are a former football player, you are fifty percent more likely to uh, suffer from dementia than somebody who has not been in in the sport. And the reason for this, it's all linked to the heading of balls. Yeah, balls. Um, The PFA, the Players' Foundation, the, the Players' Foundation, which is the sort of the charity arm of the PFA, it, it does provide some support for former members, but. Most importantly, it does not provide nursing care um, now nursing care costs somewhere between 60 to 80 grand per person per year um, and there's I think there's 200 former players who are currently um, suffering from dementia uh, but this looks as if the governing bodies along with the, uh, the PFA and the players Foundation are going to commit themselves. A, a dementia care fund and, and as you rightly said it, it's it's not a case of you know it's happening it's, it's we're in 2023 um you know there, there are too many horror stories and, and and you hear you know i've heard the likes of hayley mcqueen spoke about her father and yeah you know jeff Astor's wife and so on and chris
1: Sutton uh, and, talking and they, about his dad as well yeah his,
0: his, absolutely and and these are these are these are heart rending stories, and, and anybody that's had a a relative who has had dementia knows the sadness and, and the turmoil that that causes, not just the individual, but but all of those families. Um, football is an industrial sport. This is an industrial injury, and the fact that the authorities have been washing their hands of it for so long, I think, is a stain on on the people in charge of the game, um, but. Again, we, we, we've said with regards to the Football Association, and again, the Football Association, so, you know, we can't afford to do it ourselves. I think that uh, we, yeah, we do need um, uh, broad shoulders in, in terms of providing the funding here. So I'm, I'm hoping that uh, all of the senior authorities in football will provide some support in respect of this. It's still
1: slightly dispiriting though, Kieran, reading the comments on newspaper websites and listening to phone-ins, that in amongst the well, I believe in the sensible majority, there's still a substantial number of people saying there are millions of people who have dementia, none of whom played football. And there are still people saying, well, these people knew what they were getting into when they took up football for a living. They did very well out of it. I I don't quite understand that attitude, but it still prevailed among some people.
0: Um, Unfortunately, the, the, the court of what about three is a very dispiriting one and, that that's what we have um, in two aspects of life. Um, you know, those people that have worked with asbestos, those people that have worked down mines, they 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 started their careers often in terms of um, you know not necessarily ignorance, but certainly a lack of familiarity with with the prospective uh, challenges. And, and you know, if if I was 12 and it's just starting playing football now is good. I'm not going to worry about what's going to happen to me potentially when I'm 50 or 60. Yeah. So you, you understand and and yeah, football's also great. Yeah. That's true. That's
1: a, that'd be a good way to end the pod, and Football's also great great. Luckily, that is the end of the pod. Uh, thanks to everyone who has donated to the pod via our Patreon page. If you'd like to make a small monthly contribution as well, that would be very kind of you. You can do so by going to patreon.com slash priceoffootball. And remember, we have our end-of-season quiz coming up. Uh, and if you do want to take part in that, I'm afraid you will have to go to patreon.com slash priceoffootball because we have to keep it private after previous disruptions. If you have a question you'd like answered on the show, uh, yeah, just a general question or one for Neil Doncaster about Scottish football, then email us at questions at And In the meantime, I shall hand you over to Mr. Kieran Maguire for his customary farewell.
0: Uh, well thank you everybody um, thanks for all the kind messages uh, after we, we won the award as well so very touching things and we, we we do have a we do have a hoot um, uh, recording um two or three times a week as it is now for it when we go back to that first day when Kevin and I both looked at each other and I can see me Kevin go on earth have I been <laughs> Why have i been lumbered with this <laughs> this is a this is a dead donkey uh, but uh but yeah we. we're we're, we're delighted Um, there's other ways that you can support the show and one of those ways is to go onto your app and to um, to give us a review helps us in the charts helps us with uh, algorithms and booking guests and so on but by all accounts it doesn't matter what you say as far as the reviews are concerned so you could even say you would rather have it presented by celebrity Middlesbrough fan Bob Mortimer and mysterious girl singer Peter Andre. And I think that would be a very surreal show and wouldn't bother us in the bit. I
1: I don't wish to sound unkind, Kieran, but uh, that would be a battle of wits in which one of them is an unarmed man. (laughs) uh,
0: I I won't
1: say which is which because that would be unfair, but I would listen to it.
0: Bye, everybody. Bye.
1: Bye.
0: my son for football.